Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com golf. Fella. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is Doug Allen. You're listening to Missing Curfew. Welcome back to a fresh episode of Missing Curfew Up Dog Fella. My man. Mondays. 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 Fuck you. Usually we got the heebie jeebie Mondays, but this is nice. You know, it's feeling fresh. Feeling fresh. Thanks to Dougie Gilmore. Dougie Gilmore is a great interview. Fuck I thought he was buttoned up. Uh, remind me of a guy that I wanted to hang around with. Yeah. A I, lot. I had the old fan. Especially I when was, he was rocking and rolling teal. I was being a fanboy a little bit, but that was a. Ah, I was great. I think uh, a lot of great social clips. Thanks to Princey and the yeah. boys, eh? Maxie and Binger, uh, great social clips from it. But uh, I think I, I was as nervous as that one as you killer. were for, for Gretzky. You were, right? Yeah. yeah. When you told me I couldn't swear with Gretzky, I was like, fuck, I'm dog's nervous. Oh, I just, I <laughs> don't was Don't be nervous. swearing. I'm like, I was don't swear. in there for don't. about a week. Yeah, I know. Hey, Gretz, I was, yeah, you, you, you kind of fucking. When I you mean, get, when you get legends like that, it's nerve I know. And he told us that he wasn't going to do it. He was going to Spain on a golf trip. And then I'm like, come on, yeah. man, I'll come kick your ass if that's the case. So Dougie was great. Thanks again to Dougie Gilmore. Up dog, something we've talked about, Mr. Curfew is kind of branching away from hockey, right? Trying to get some different guests. Uh, we got Doug Allen, creative entourage. My favorite show, your favorite show. Uh, a show that actually motivated me to make the NHL. Yeah. You know, great stuff. Good looking women living in Hollywood. That's what motivated me. With your boys. With your boys. With in you. In the prime with time you of your loops. careers. Uh. And then we just happened to meet Kevin Connolly to put the whole pieces together. But in yeah. our little in our little way, we had our own little entourage, but we were all making fucking, you know, we were all trying to you be Vince. Say, making bananas. Yeah, we were all trying to be Vince. Sprinter vans. And yeah, sprinter vans. Going to premieres. It was great, man. I mean, we're in the movie. You're oh, in the movies. Man. Look, it's I'm, like, I, come on. I'm just smiling, thinking about it right now. The good old days, Up man. Dog, nice bow tie. I mean, oh. we, it was it was uh, such a time of our lives. We look back on and say, "Holy fuck!" 
That was fun. <sighs> we were living the dream. That was fun. I, I miss Hell it. of a ride. I don't miss the workouts and the back skates, and, but I miss everything else I, about it. I so. miss it all. I miss the hurt. Yeah. I miss the pain. And then, some, and then the rewards. There's after. some different kind of pain now. So uh, anyways, <laughs> the creator of Entourage, Doug Allen, coming at you. Welcome back to Mr. Curfew, Updog. Um, great get for us today. I'm a fan of this guy for a long time. Our favorite show yeah. while we were playing in the National Hockey League was Entourage. I can't believe he even allowed you to be on a couple of them. Yeah, I know. I, You know what? I, was, <laughs> I did make a couple of them. So um, Doug Allen, the creator of Entourage. Doug, thanks for taking the time, buddy. Uh, we've been big fans of yours for a long time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What's going on? You know what? Updog brings up a great point. I want to know if you remember this. So I was on set with you guys. You were shooting at the Roosevelt. It was probably season eight where Vince was making the tape to prove to the girl. And do you remember, yeah. Andy, do you remember Andy Dick was going mental on the set and you, ha you had to straighten oh, him yeah. out? <laughs> yeah, we, we just talked about that on the podcast. I really, I mean, I could have beat Andy Dick's ass, but I really need you to take him out quickly. You know, I mean, it was... It was uh, pretty torturous, you know. He was on something or whatever, and he yeah. was just really aggressively distracting everybody, you know. And, and Doug was trying to be such a good guy, but right, Doug's like, and we. And one thing I did realize about your business is being on set with you and Cons is like how long it takes for one shot, right? Like for one yeah. shot, it, it takes fucking all day. So Doug finally. And Cons is like, look at Doug, he's about to snap. Look at Doug, he's about to snap. And finally, you're just like, Andy, would you beat it, man? You ruined the shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like when you have the hockey players on set, you're hoping one of them jumps in, you know. Yeah. But fortunately, Andy Dick was probably someone I could physically handle, but it was uh, it was pretty tough. I think I think we had a grip like carry him out of there. He would yeah. not leave. You know, it was pretty awful. So. Yeah, that was my that was my I got yeah. I actually got cut Doug out of. Uh, Great little scene. A great little scene at the, <laughs> the pool, pool, right? Yeah, at me, the pool. me and my boy yeah. Lupo, we were with like three nice, three good-looking girls, and you guys had the cameras right on us. And a couple <laughs> months later, I'm at Conley's house, and he's like, "Hey, bro, I got something to tell you, bro." Like, uh, I had to cut. <laughs> Didn't I had make to, it, bro. I had to cut you out of that scene. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm like, who makes that decision? He's yeah, like, thanks a lot. Yeah, he's like, actually, it was me. I'm like, oh, Cons, come on, bro. <laughs> I mean, and Doug, you just touched, touched on all these, um, like the personalities that you've dealt with over the course of your career with Entourage, like dealing with them showing up and whether like some guy, you know, he's drunk or he's all these different personalities. You must like, we play in hockey. Some days we're like, uh Oh, here he comes again. Like what <laughs> the one guy shows up on your team and you're like, this isn't going to be good. Like he's still drunk. Like, is there cases yeah. the, over the, you know, 10 years you guys are running that show where, you know, all these different people come in and you're like, God, do I got to put up with this guy again? Like it's, you know what? There's definitely a couple of situations, but for the most part, we were lucky. And Andy Dick was not, invited to the show oh, yeah. <laughs> you know we we were lucky enough to have great groups of people and uh we didn't have too many problems like that you know we're gonna have we're gonna have gronkowski on our podcast last week and you know he can tell you he showed up and we put him in the movie and he hung out all day like he could have left hours earlier and it was usually a good time and there was no reason to kind of be miserable when you were there we were usually surrounded by good-looking uh, people. Yeah. I don't say good-looking <laughs> women. Uh, but, you know, usually surrounded and, and usually had good food and a lot of fun. So we didn't have too many problems, but there's always a couple of, you know, there's a couple of jerk-offs that you always have to deal with over the years, you know? For sure, Doug. And my, and my other appearance in Entourage was, was in the movie, and it was the scene with Ronda Rousey where you guys were at the old gym in Hollywood and, like, such a long day. Do you remember her by the end of the day where you are like, hey, Ronda, kind of stay with a little bit? But it was, like, eight hours to shoot basically yeah, 45 seconds man yeah 
Yeah. And, and, and she's being physical and she hasn't done it before, you know? Um, yeah. I remember that day like it was yesterday because Dylan was going, I, I can take her. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. That's right. They were standing beside the cage and Wahlberg was trying to get Dylan Gold. He's like, hey, you think you can take her KD? You think you can take her? He's like, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Get me in there. Get me in there. It was it was it was a great scene. So um before we get into more entourage, let's talk a little pickleball, Doug. Um I play twice I I play twice a week. The up dog gets out there when he can. He's got two young kids, but um how good are you, bro? Like I see your first of all, you play at Riviera. Is that your home court? I mean, I I play there a bunch, but I play I play all over the place. And it would be it would be uh an insane for me to judge how good or not I am. I'm 54 and a half years old. I, what I can tell you is I'm better than most 54 year olds on the planet, but I do play with a lot of professional guys. Um, you know, I like to, I like to think I do. Okay. They're obviously better with me, but you know, it, it's a sport. You know, what's so great about this sport is I can play with these pros, you know, that some of them were top pro tennis players. And now some of the top pro pickleball players in the world. And so I'm pretty good, but the sport is really, you know, and I haven't seen your game yet, Shane, which I'm excited to see, but <laughs> the sport has, it is uh, improved athletically so much in the last three years that it's pretty crazy. So even the guys that I used to play with who were all D one athletes that I used to laugh at and go, you guys suck that you can't, torture me at this they can kind of torture me a little bit now they've gotten much much better i've gotten a little older but I, i'm i'm pretty good for an old guy yeah no i've i've seen the film i've seen the footage on your social media I, I gotta ask you how's your dink game are you committed to the dink game like when you get committed do you stay with it or because it's yeah, a big part of the game i mean I, I yeah i mean now the game has sped up a lot where the dink was everything three years ago and again uh, you know i actually have one of my my pickleball uh, guys texting me right now i'm trying to play today but <laughs> Matt Manass, who's like the coach to everybody you know um you know he he knows how much this game is sped up now so what he said to me though he goes i'm in a bad spot because i'm like in the one percent of the best 54 year olds in the world and i'm trying to play with the best 30 year olds in the world and it puts it, it puts you in a tough spot and as you know from this game you really want to be on the court with with four people of sort of of your level otherwise you know especially if you have a crappy partner it can be a very tough day you know it's like yeah it's like golf and i'll i'll i'll, uh, I'll tease obi's game doug it's it's at the net his wingspan is like 12 feet long. So you're not getting much by him, whether it's down the line or in the middle. And he's got a mean backhand. Like his mean, it's, yeah. it spins or it's coming at you hard with top spin. But it's it's a pretty good game. I give him credit. It's a pretty solid game. Do you have a, a tennis background or no? Not really. I, I mean, I grew up, you know, we had tennis courts at the, at the golf course where I grew up in Canada. And I would go fuck around and play yeah. tennis. But I never played a whole lot. I started playing pickleball probably two years ago, Doug. And when I first started playing, I was terrible. Like I couldn't get my yeah. serves in. I couldn't. So I've come a long way in two years, but I, I, I don't know how good I am. We have some pretty good players at Big Canyon, but um, me and the up dog, we like to play against you. And is Connolly any good? Does Connolly play? No, no, he's no, that no, guy. He's that no, guy no. we're talking about where he, if he jumps in the game, we're like, ah, oh, just put it yeah, to cons. I mean, you know what? It, it, it's the game. What's so funny about the game. It is because it's a doubles game. It's a very delusional yeah. game. And people, people really don't realize what their level is. And it's, it's in my opinion, it's a very important game to be self-aware in that game. 
But you can see the things that people, you know, laughed about for years about pickleball going, this is an old man sport now. But when you start getting in there with the A, with the athletes and the B, with the people who really understand the angles and the strategy of the game, you can really see how stupid people can make you look in very small spaces, you know? Do you see any Kevin Washington golf balls in the Riviera tennis courts over there on the on the left side of number one? Because <laughs> you know he definitely can hit the ball, but I have not. I've not been hit with a golf ball yet. The so, K double ball. Washington can definitely hit it. So who, who who's your one partner? If, if if you look at who's your one guy that we know? I've seen you play with pros. I want to talk to you about the Palm Spring course you got uh, court you guys were playing on too. But who's your one guy you think would match up to be a fair fight against a couple X NHLs? You got one partner in mind? Well, I mean, it, it, it again, it, it depends. I played with a lot of pro athletes, and, and we got, as I said, we got Gronkowski next week. I mean, I beat Gronkowski in, in uh, ping pong, I mean, incredibly <laughs> badly years ago. So I'm looking forward to playing pickleball with him. But, you know, it it's very tough to say because I've got to see you guys level. And there are people, again, I've played with some of the best tennis players in the world. They need a little time you know, to understand the difference between tennis and this singles, very different game. It's very close to tennis, but when you get into doubles, there's a lot of, a lot of brain power, especially before you get to that professional level athletic ability, which I'll, I'll probably never get to, but there's a lot of, a <laughs> lot of spacing that's important in that game. I always tell everybody, it's like a two man game. It's like a two man basketball game. You know, you're really trying to work with your partner to set up things. And so but the the guy I just played with a pro in a, in Danny Werfel's charity tournament, my I saw buddy Wes Burrows. Um, so we we had a good time. We made the semis of, of that tournament against some some good pros and pro am stuff. But um, I I would I would think you guys would have a tough time against us. But you never know. You yeah, know? I'd like to see it. All if right. we got in a fight, maybe it would be a different <laughs> story. You know? Well, we could definitely fight. But one thing we will do, we'll we'll put together a little video on our socials and we'll I fire would, it to him with yeah. a little challenge. And I would like to do a game. little content piece yeah. with you for yeah, like for Mr. Curfew victory, like a little content friendly friendly match, maybe, Doug. I I would love it. I would love it. Doug, have you played have you played Pedel yet? I have not, which looks awesome. Um, and yeah. now I know, <laughs> I know it's kind of growing, and it's like kind of this thing that people are trying to. Oh, it's gonna be bigger than pickleball. It looks awesome, but totally different game. Yeah, than, it's uh, a totally different game, totally different game. But it is, <laughs> it is fun, and it's uh, like you said how the athleticism's come a long way in pickleball since it started. The same thing for that. You got to kind of be an athlete. You got to be able to kind of move and know the game and be able to swing. It's a, it's yeah. a different swing, but it's, it's more game. like a It just looks yeah. like chaos, right? You can get the ball behind you. And yeah. It's yeah. just at the long rally. So it's like, it gets, it gets intense and it's yeah. more like tennis. Cause yeah. you're actually hitting a tennis ball. That's just not as, it's not as full as a tennis ball <laughs> by like, you know, an eighth of a CSI or whatever the hell you call that. Yeah. Doug, another question. I think that is more like tennis. Yeah. yeah. What? I'll build pickleball too. I'll give you a pretty good scouting report on my game. You know, you could wear me down though. So my question is, how long do you play for, Doug? We play best of fives, usually three out of five. We play for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Are you playing like two hours? How long are your games up there? Well, to be honest with you, now that I've gotten, you know, to this age, I'm like two hours max. I max. used to, I, I mean, three, four years ago, I was playing four, five hours. The guys that I play with, they'll play all day and it's like, they don't even sweat. You know, in, in the charity thing that I did in uh, Georgia, 
um, you know, Drew Brees was in it and I'm trying to think who else was in it. I mean, the announcer was announcing me and, and he, and he said, as my partner, as we walked onto our semifinal court, he goes, you realize the only reason we're going to lose this is your conditioning. And the <laughs> announcer, my friend, Morgan Evans, the whole time was going, Doug's going to need a cardiologist after this, but people think it's not a high activity game, which again, just like ping pong. If you want to play old man ping pong, you can play and not break a sweat. But when you see Olympic ping pong players playing, you understand the kind of cardio level of this. So, um, you know, I'll get two hours and I'll burn 2,500 calories. And I'm a pretty, pretty thin guy to start with. So I get, I get a workout, but at this age, I'm like two hours and that's it. And the truth is, which I think when I started playing pickleball again, when it was a much slower game, People don't think there's there's injuries in this. And I stopped playing basketball. I ran a basketball game for a decade because of ACLs and, and Achilles. And now that's happening to people. You know, a friend of mine, one of the best female players in the world, tore her ACL playing at the Nationals last week. So, you know, once you start speeding up a lot, the injuries actually can happen. And everybody gets out there and like, I don't need to stretch. Let me get a beer, you know. But <laughs> when you start realizing it, it can be somewhat serious, you know, uh, it it's it, there can be injuries. So uh, it's funny you say that before we start, I always say, boys, remember the only goal here is nobody gets hurt out here. Right. Let's all, you know, go in for a cocktail after. And cause we don't stretch either. We just get in there a couple, like let's get her going. So blasting on pickleball, Doug, before we move into some entre stuff, um, the court in Palm Springs, buddy, talk to me about it. The indoor court with the top players in the world. We, we have a saying here. I'm Mr. Curfew national league. That is a national league setup out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a good friend of mine who built that court. It is, Probably the greatest man cave in the world yeah. I mean, from the pickleball, basketball, golf simulators, pool. It's, it's, it's everything. But, um, you know, a lot of, of the nationals were there, uh, pickleball nationals, which, you know, it's amazing. Two years ago, people were laughing at this and now it's getting real. And it's at the same Indian Wells tennis center where, you know, I watched Federer and Nadal play. And it's, it's getting more and more serious as it grows. Um, so uh, that court is incredible. And the players that I've gotten to play on that court with, it's, it's amazing. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that looks like a nice It is, yeah. Setup. Any man cave with a yeah, nice little clay court looks, yeah, it looks bad. All right, Doug. We're no, gonna... it's, it's, it's hard surface. It's hard it's, service. It's yeah. incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. We got to work on our game. I'm telling you, he's, being, he's playing a little modest with us over there. I've seen his... I've seen his Instagram clips. He competes hard. And if you're burning 2,500 calories in two hours, you're out there moving your feet. Well, I'm playing with these guys. I mean, it's, it's again, I, people don't understand that how much movement in small spaces you can be doing yeah. and how much start and stop is in that game. Um, you know, but I, I, I want to see your footage. Now, my Instagram, obviously, I only put my best shit out there. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not putting my lowlights up there, you know? Yeah. So that's, I, that's, that's your homework. We're going to send them. Yeah. I get out there and move it around. Yeah, so no, the last on. time you played was unbelievable. Yeah. Best game I've seen you play. So, right. um, Doug, Entourage, first of all, I want to be honest with you, buddy. It was a show, and I don't know if this is good or bad or whatever, <laughs> but it motivated me to make the NHL. Like, you know, I wanted That's to amazing thing to hear. Yeah. yeah. Like I wanted to, you know, with my best buddies at the highest level to enjoy with them. Like the, so first of all, thank you for that. But just talk about, you know, all the writing and all the stuff, like, well, you know, how did it come about? I know it's a Wahlberg story, but from your end, how did it come about? So, uh, Mark's manager and my manager at the time was my friend from college and one day he just said, I, you know, I got this idea. It's about Mark and his friends. That was pretty much all there was. So 
I, as we started, I mean, I remember we were at the Manhattan Wonton Factory on uh, Melrose Place in L.A. And I was like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. I don't want to watch a bunch of losers live off a movie star. <laughs> and, you know, as as my manager had often said to me before, by the way, I had no job. It wasn't like I had something else I was doing. Uh, he said, you'll figure it out. And, and you know, what 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 really hit me about an entourage when it's proper, because a lot of times it isn't a lot of times entourages are a bunch of hanger ons and a bunch of losers. And, you know, um, so to me, to me, it was making about a family and kind of, I used the relationships that I grew up with and my high school friends and elementary school friends and really made it as much as people think it was about Hollywood. For me, it was about friendship and loyalty. And that was the real key to the show. And then obviously going, wow, I get to have my best friend take me on this ride through fantasy land. And that was, that was where we started. Yeah, and that's true. Like, that's, especially yeah. hearing about you guys talk about it on, on Victory the podcast, which is a great listen for anyone who's an Entourage fan. It's about friendships. You talk about your buddies from New York and the characters you had. And the one character that I love is Billy Walsh. And I know it's Kevin Conley's favorite character too, but just talk about writing Billy Walsh and like <laughs> the, the the season where he's met at Ian was dog, some of the best work ever, man. That was so entertaining, Billy Walsh. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, that was based again, you know, my first call when entourage got picked up we did the pilot and then they're like okay you're right you got to write more of these and i was like fuck how do i do that am i allowed to curse on this brother yeah yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like how how do i do that so um no i'm like okay let's hire some writers i honestly i had made two independent films i didn't know anyone in tv so i called my buddy rob weiss who's you know like i grew up with and made he made some independent films and uh, I said, you know, come write this. It's going to be about like how we grew up, sort of. And Rob was Billy Walsh. He had made this big Sundance hit, um, came out of the gate. He's getting photographed for Vogue. He's getting deals all over the place when we're like 21 years old. And he never made another movie. And I don't laugh about that, but he was, <laughs> yeah, he knows it. He was fucking crazy. <laughs> we can laugh. And, um, <laughs> and Rob and I wrote some things together and we went into some meetings together. And I, I said, Rob, I want to come up with this character that's, you know, loosely based on you, but why don't you play it? And he, you know, he was never, he never acted a day in his life. He's like, I'm not playing it. I'm not doing this, whatever. So anyway, when we got Reese, it just all really came together. And then I, I started obviously exaggerating uh, stories of all of the crazy filmmakers I knew growing up from, you know, film school and all that stuff. So. I had another question about writing, Doug. Like, there's a lot of pressure on hockey players day in and day out to perform, right? And for me, back in the day, I would fight. So sometimes, you know, before the game, I wouldn't sleep very good because I was worried about a fight. Like, throughout the entourage, was there ever times where you're writing and you're just like, holy fuck, the show starts next week and I only got, like, talk me through the process of, of writing a season. Did it come to you in a couple weeks or were you scrapping to get the episode in? I mean, you know, the, the I've I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but the torture I go through to write scripts and I don't care what anybody has to think about that. It it's a it's a grind. And to come up with, you know, more and more stories about four grown men who live together is is challenging. And uh, you know, it becomes very difficult. So there were you know, there were episodes that I wrote in three days and there were episodes that took six months and, you know, and, and it doesn't mean the six month one is any better than the three days. So it was always a challenge. And I, I can imagine the challenges you felt. But, you know, when I played hockey growing up on a very, very low level, I could have done it all day and all night. If someone would have paid me to play, <laughs> I, I mean, again, I don't want to be, I don't want to be punched in the face and I don't want to be smashed <laughs> into the board, but, but I mean, writing was always a grind for me where things like hockey and pickleball and basketball were joyous. Now, 
once it becomes your profession, obviously that could all change. But, um, you know, writing is the toughest part for me. Being on the set, directing my actors and doing things like that was always the fun part. The sitting in a room with a blank piece of paper and trying to come up with things was, was tough. And, you know, Connolly knows that because Connolly used to call me, you know, while he was probably out with you guys partying on New Year's, <laughs> I'd be sitting in the office by myself trying to figure out what the next episode of this thing was. And, and that's not to say for everybody, there's plenty of writers out there who walk in every day and they, they do their work. Like it's a job for me. It was kind of a 24 seven obsession and it becomes, becomes difficult. You know, it's why I don't write more. Cause I, I just don't like it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, That's well, why I stopped playing hockey too, Doug. I didn't like it anymore. Yeah. But your obsession, your obsession became a lot of people's lives. Like, right. Like lifestyles, Sunday nights. It would be like what we would look forward to football. Like it would be over. And we're like, now we get entourage again. Yeah. It was, it was epic. You know what? That's what makes it all worth it. But I've written other things that I'm obsessed about just as much that are sitting in my drawer that maybe if you if it got made, you'd be obsessing over that. But maybe you wouldn't. You know, you never know. And it's, you know, Entourage took two and a half years for them to finally agree to do it. And it was grind, grind, grind. And that's that's the way it goes. So obviously to get uh, 15, 18 years later that people still talk about it and like it is obviously awesome and makes it think that those times sitting in the office by myself are worth it, you know? Doug, you, you mentioned the grind of, of writing and, and that's totally understandable. Talk about the casting part originally. Did you see the camaraderie there with these young guys right away? And you know, the New York backgrounds that some of them had and just like how you were like, I know I can work with these kids and turn them into what they need to be for this show. Yeah. I mean, when we got the five guys together, which was a big challenge. It took a long time. I mean, Kevin Connolly, he likes to say it's not true, but he wasn't even acting anymore. He was focusing on directing. And I had a bunch of friends. I didn't know Kevin at all. I had a bunch of friends who were friends with Kevin that kept telling me the guy that I wrote, you know, is out there, Kevin Connolly. And I would, we would call his agent and be like, he's not working. He's not doing this. Um, to cast Vince was extremely challenging. I mean, Kevin Dillon walked in and, and, you know, it was game over after one line. Jerry was 15 years who played turtle was 15 years younger than Kevin Dillon. We knew he was the guy, but just the fact that we were pretending they went to high school together was somewhat <laughs> ridiculous. And, and Piven was, you know, I wanted him from his work on the Larry Sanders show. So I offered it to him and I had to convince him to do it because he didn't know the other guys. But um, when I got those five guys together, I had zero doubt that they were exactly what I was looking for, especially when you talk about the four guys, which was, you know, the first thing I said to Mark is I need to make this New York, not Boston. And it's, it's, of course, there's a lot of similarities between working class Boston and working class New York, but I grew up in New York and I needed to make it kind of more of from my experience and my POV, which Mark was, was gracious enough to let me do. But um, I knew when I had those four guys together that if, uh, if they let me roll that they would they would have magic and it was up to me to give them storylines that would work because instantaneously they just were the guys you know yeah and speaking about magic Doug, you're the character you're talking about piven ari gold i mean i still watch entourage Doug. i watch it after especially now victory you guys talk about an episode i go back but did you see ari gold blowing up to what like obviously piven killed it but with your writing and that like every time i watch it still to this day i know you're you're sometimes about the writing you get a little queamish <laughs> nowadays but what a character. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, They're legendary way, I, lines. I yeah. 
Yeah. What 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 irritates me about the whole culture at this moment is, is when you when you go back and try to revise history of where it was. And, you know, I, I repeat myself about this, but it was it was the New York Times, the liberal New York Times favorite show. It was Obama's favorite show. Yeah. And to look back now and go, you know, who would talk like that in an office, which, you know, maybe at the, at the missing curfew offices, they might. But, you know, <laughs> you really can't talk like that in a corporate office today or you would be thrown out. But that was tame and mild compared to what it was back then. But with Piven, I knew before I ever wrote a word with it. And when I convinced him to do the show, I said, Jeremy, and I didn't know Jeremy. I just knew his work. I said, Jeremy, I, I have no idea if this show is going to work. What I know one million percent is I know how to write for you. And it was his energy. And from the minute I got him on the set, which I think our first day was him and Connolly sitting at this table at, at Coy in LA. And when we shot that scene, I was like, we have magic. Now you still have to still have to get the network to, to put it on. And then you have to get the audience to respond to that. But I knew it was going to work. And I knew Jeremy, of course, could you ever say, oh, he's going to win three straight Emmys? And no, but I knew how good, I knew how good all of them were, to be honest with you. A lot of people underrate Adrian, but to find a guy who is believable as a movie star who isn't a movie star is nearly impossible. And he felt like it from the beginning. And you know, the first season of Entourage, which no one will remember now, but people thought it was a documentary, which while I killed myself over every word, people <laughs> were like, wait, is this a real guy and his friends? Because they didn't really know who these actors were, probably besides Jeremy, you know? So, um, but, you know, it, it was, like I said, from minute one, getting on the set with all of them was just great. And I knew I could write these long speeches for Piven, which, you know, were almost non-existent on television. To have someone go on for a minute and a half was almost, you know, and, and I used to hand the scripts into HBO. They're like, you, you got to cut this down. I'm like, just let, let me just do it. And everything about the show for me was energy and pace. And Jeremy just brings even a turbo charge to that, you know? Yeah. Well, Doug, we're still using your lines in our in our yeah. group chat. Shout out to our boy, Andy McLaughlin, Andy Mack. We say it all the time, every entourage crew. My buddy PJ knows them all. Uh, like, I didn't go to Lakers game because they're playing the fucking Bobcats. Like, I mean, I, we, we, go, we go over and over it. So thank you for that because we continue to use those amazing Ari Gold lines. But, uh, Doug, ra ramble on. Um, you know, I seen a little bit of what you guys shot. It looked unbelievable to me. Uh, any update you can give us? Are you still working on it? Because what I did see on your Instagram, buddy, it looked amazing. Yeah, I mean, no updates yet. So Ramble On's a, a pilot that I independently produced, financed, and uh, it's Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen, Kevin Dillon, Kevin Connolly, um, a bunch of other great actors. And, uh, you know, right now we're doing something that really nobody does, which is make our own pilot and then try to shop it around. So after the first, it's it's game on for the next seven, eight weeks. We'll show it to all the streamers. I'll pitch them what the first season is all about. They'll watch the pilot and hopefully they'll give us the 40 or 50 million dollars we need to make the rest <laughs> of it, you know, and if not, we're we're thinking about ways that we can release this on our own. But the pilot came out. It's fantastic. And it's about these guys. Very realistic look at and, 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 you know, it's got an entourage vibe 15 years later and the way uh, the world is right now and the look at culture and celebrity and second chances and redemption for a guy like Charlie, who obviously has been through a lot of stuff. So um, but it, it, it's good. We're really excited about it. And Connolly is amazing in it. You know, he's actually he feels much. You know, a lot of people gave E a hard time on entourage. They thought he was like the the pain in the ass. And, and he's got 
He's he's a man in this show, and he looks like a man, and it's a really good role for him. You know, he's I, a businessman. Yeah, you, te- you team me right. You team <laughs> yeah, me right up, and you team me right up to my next question because. I texted cons when you guys were shooting. I was like, hey, buddy, a little rusty, like a couple years off the bench, huh? Like, how was it? He's like, fuck, Obes, I'm seeing the ball well right now. I, pit- I pitched a no one. Perfect game. So so you were impressed with his, I mean, because probably not easy just Fantastic. jumping back in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love him as I love him as an actor reading my words as a as a boss handling my podcasting career as is a little more challenging for us to get along. But yeah, no, he he crushed it. And people forget he's an Emmy nominated actor, Golden Globe nominated actor, and he's really awesome in this. So uh, we'll we'll show it to you. Yeah, you know, come by the office. We'll show it. To you. I can't wait. And uh, Doug, now that I have you on here, I, you know I want to put you on the spot a little bit. M- myself, Uppy, and Loops. We were single guys playing in the NHL, living in California. Oh. Kind of doing the entourage thing. Do you think you could have wrote one for us as hockey players, a spinoff of all three single guys playing in the NHL, Canadian, going in Hollywood, hanging out with actors? You think you could have spun that for us? For sure. And you know what? I've wanted to do hockey show forever, you know, which is uh, has always been a challenging thing to get networks behind, even though now, you know, with the streamers, there's more obviously opportunities for it. But yeah, I think, you know, the hockey lifestyle is a, is a, also a great, wild crazy you know <laughs> yeah. world that i think you know and i've gotten to know some guys i don't know if god will he ever tell you the carcillo story when he got in his fight when when we were at the game yeah right in front of him right yeah, in front of you guys yeah. right not right in front of us danny saw connelly that's how they met yeah he saw we got invited to the game by gretzky and we're sitting in the ice box, which is probably the best seat in sports at the Staples Center where you're on the ice, basically. And Carcillo saw Connolly. This is 15 years ago, probably. And and Phoenix is actually playing for a playoff spot. But he sees Connolly and he says, through the glass, he's like, you're taking me out, if, uh, you know, tonight. And Connolly says, get in a fight and I'll take you out. And, and Carcillo is like this is going on during a game an important game and by the way he carcillo had a hat trick that night too wow. and he says uh who do you want me to fight and Connolly pointed at whoever the enforcer was on the kings carcillo went right out got in a fight with him and and you know Connolly says it's not true but i know what happened <laughs> over to Connolly goes what the fuck did you say to him you know and uh and they, I think they traded him like like pretty soon after that. But yeah. he came off the ice after getting in this fight with whoever it was, like, you know, holding his hands up, looking at Connolly. It was right out of slap shot. It was pretty amazing, you know? Yeah, Cons would, Cons would always come to my games too. And to see yeah. him, he fires you up because you know that you're going out with him after. So he he would do my <laughs> he would do my rookie parties for me in LA. Cons has been a good friend of he's been for us ca- a long time. we call him Captain Cons, Doug, because he is he, he's got leadership qualities through and through. Yeah. He does. He does. And there's no one better to, to to hang out with if you want to go out. Everyone always calls up and is like, you know, who should I be going out with if I can go out the entourage guys? Connolly. He'll yeah. show you the best time for sure. Yeah, you'll like this, Doug. So it was right, right in the midst of entourage. And we played the Kings in the first round. I met Cons there, and we ended up losing the second round. And I went out with Cons in Hollywood. And I ended up staying at his house for two nights. I just met the fucking guy. But anyways, I'm at this one party, and we don't have to get into what's going on exactly. But the one girl looks at me. She goes, "Do you think you're in the show right now, or something?" Like talking about entourage. I'm like, "Yeah, I kind of feel like I am in the show. I'm up in the Hollywood Hills That's with funny. Kevin Connolly. I'm like, I feel I'm living my own entourage right now. So, um, I love it. It was great." I love it. Doug, let's talk about Victory in the Podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan. I, I think our listeners, probably most of them, listen to it. How'd you get into it? You're great at it. You seem like you got a passion for it. Natural. Are you loving it? I, I do love it. You know, Connolly came to me and said, let's do a podcast, which it's so, it was like three years ago. I'm like, a what? I, did, I really didn't even know what it was. And uh, 
It was not something I ever thought of, which is crazy. Cause when you ask me about writing, like this is what I wish I was doing 30 years ago. And now we all can do it. And it's so competitive and so crazy now, but I wish I focused on this 30 years ago. Cause I really do love it. And, and victory, Kevin said, we'll talk about entourage. And I said, listen, I'll do it, but I want to talk about other things. Yeah. Also, I don't want to spend my life talking about entourage. So you know, obviously we, we talk about entourage and behind the scenes and all that, but we also talk about everything going on in our life, sports, you know, whatever it is. So it's been a lot of fun. And, and, you know, a lot of people who listen to it say it, it feels like the show because it is just the three of us who have very similar relationships to what the guys on the show had. So it's, it's a lot of fun. No, I was just going to say, you guys have a locker room feel like that's what me and Uppy go for here at Mr. Curfew. Obviously, we lost our third member a couple of years ago, Jimmy Scoops Hayes, but we have a locker room feel here. And you guys have that on victory. When I listen to it, it's like three of the boys sitting around. Although KD doesn't mind missing the odd podcast, does he? <laughs> well, he's just oh, <laughs> he's all over the place and he doesn't like to drive in from, uh, you know, Malibu. He thinks it's like he's coming from Seattle or something. But <laughs> stock, yeah, stock tip Dave takes it on the chin. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think stock tips. Been, I think he's been locked out of the office as of this morning. I don't know. I got to find out what's going on over there. There's always drama, and that's really what Ramble on is about: is is the realistic behind the scenes of what goes on at, at Connolly's studio. Yeah, that that's where you lead me right. So how how is it? Um, you know, obviously without Cons, Doug, we wouldn't have got this podcast off the ground. Cons was big for us at Action Park Media. Uh, how is it working with them? Because I noticed that you like to give them a hard time a little bit uh, now and then, but you guys are best buddies. You can tell how much you guys care for each other. Yeah, I mean he's 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 a brother to me, you know, and uh, you know it's it's wild to watch him. He's obviously starting a business when he's been acting for forty years, and he's learning as he goes. And he's obviously done some great things, and and uh, but it's funny, you know, like when I have to think about like him as the boss, it's just not <laughs> tolerable for me, you know. I miss the roundtable too at the office. I mean, you know, he'd fire the Keurig in there. He'd have his little. Like, okay, what are we talking about? Yeah, his feet up on the table, yeah, smoking his little cigarette. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It is fun though. I mean, it's 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 what happened when I walked into his office the first day when he was asking me to come to a podcast. The first thing I thought is this is a TV show. And to bring in this world, you know, um, you know, we got Avery, Sean Avery's at the office all the time. Who by who he saw the pilot, by the way. He loves the Ramblon pilot. He thinks it really speaks to him and his life where it's at right now. But you know, every day there's someone interesting walking in there and there's a story they got to tell. So it it's uh it, it's the behind the scenes are as interesting as what's uh going on on the podcast and what's happening on the TV show. So yeah, it was always fun hanging out at Action Park Media. Me and Cause would get into the whiskey too. We had we were taking sprinter vans up there. We couldn't afford to take the sprinter vans up there. We were getting drunk every Tuesday. It was we were running out of money. We were running out of money on Sprinter Vans. So, um, so Doug, I want to talk to you about a guy um, that I've given a hard time on this podcast. Russell Wilson. I drafted him in my fantasy. I blame him and a couple bad trades I made. But uh, throw victory. You know, you and Russell Wilson. Sometimes you get you get out a little bit with him, right? How's your feeling on Russell Wilson right now? I mean, I don't get out of with him. He used to, he used to be a good friend. I put him in the movie, and uh, you know it, it's it's no longer fun to really go after him because everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's I didn't true. go after him because to be, to be perfectly honest with you, I thought he was going to have an unbelievable season. Me too. So I, at the beginning of the podcast, just talked a little bit about my personal experiences with him. And when I texted him to do our podcast and didn't get a response back from someone that I, I put in the movie when he wasn't really all that valuable to us in the movie. And uh, so it, it pissed me off and I'm not shy about that, but I could not be more shocked 
about this season. Me too. I mean, and you know, and we actually got DK Metcalf. He did respond to me and he came on our podcast, but I never got Russell. Who's, you know, a friend of mine for 15 years, but, but you know, uh, I would have never believed that this offense was going to be that, that bad. And I, you know, I don't know if you want to get into football analysis, but it's at this point, it's the worst trade in sports history. I mean, it makes, you know, and we'll find out because they, I mean, Seattle could get the first or second pick in the draft over this aside from the other picks that they already have. So, and Denver is in trouble for a long time. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't really see any way out for them. So it kind of, kind of sucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, you know what, Doug, I saw him at McKenna, which is a discovery project in Maui and he, maybe it was for his wife, but he had these two bodyguards around him. And I'm thinking, dude, you're at McKenna. Why do you need bodyguards? I, I, I just question him as a teammate, Doug. I don't know if he's, I don't know. I think that's his biggest problem right now is just, I don't know if he's a good teammate. You know what? It's, you know, it's hard to know. Uh, again, like I said, I used to be pretty close with him and, and discovery. I sent him to his first discovery property and he bought a house that week and didn't even tell me you know, <laughs> it's just bizarre. Yeah. But, but you know, obviously these guys, I don't think Richard Sherman's the most normal guy in the world, but clearly he had problems with them that he wasn't shy about for years. And, you know, it's always that interesting argument, you know, Brady Belichick and, you know, Pete Carroll, you know, Russell Wilson and all of these coaches, Obviously, Brady is proven, you know, he can do it with anybody. Russell hasn't. And Pete Carroll is now and, and you know, Geno Smith, it's such an unbelievable story, like to, to, to not get a shot for a decade and then to be he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year, you know, so. Uh, is that Pete Carroll? Is it a system? I, I'm not smart enough to know the answer to that. But what I can tell you is what I see on the Broncos. I mean, he's. I used to watch him and go, this guy cannot miss. Yeah. And he was one of the most, I think he was the most accurate quarterback in, in the NCAA before he played for Seattle. So to watch these kind of simple passes now, I have no idea if that's a focus thing, an age thing that's, you know, uh, it's above my pay grade. But what I can tell you is this is the worst offense I've ever seen. I mean, they're, they're, putting up three six yeah, it's, points. I mean, it's, it's terrible it's scary you know it cost me money at the start so, of the year it's cost me uh he's cost me it's cost me fair i had to start making trades dog i it's been ugly i'm i'm going to ask him for some of that back i mean he's he walked away with 200 on this I, I, I know you know What's the owner? Would you give it back, Shane? Yeah, if you got this contract in the NHL, and you just didn't deliver. Would you hand some of no, it back? No, unfortunately, I wouldn't, Doug. I'd, I'd be like, "Sorry, boys, sorry, boys." But uh, Doug, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. You're an Islanders fan, right? You you grew up an Islanders fan. Still an Islanders fan. I'm a huge Islanders fan. I, unfortunately, last year was so disappointing, and then I'm I'm kind of a little lost. But yeah, growing up was was my life was the Islanders. You know, um, I, I lived and breathed them. So yeah, it was fun back in the '80s, right? The, the old I love the old Nassau Coliseum. I loved playing there mainly because they sucked when I was in the NHL, Doug. But like, maybe just <laughs> maybe just talk on touch on going back to that barn back in the day. You know what? 1980 when Nystrom scores against Philly in game six, I'm in the last row of the Coliseum and it's by far the greatest sports moment of my life. And really one of the best moments of my life. I mean, I was so obsessed with the Islanders. My entire wall was Islander paraphernalia. I can tell you legitimately from probably 79 to 85, I can tell you every Islander player and their number, which 
I couldn't tell you four guys on, on any of the teams now in any of the sports I watch. I just don't have that kind of connection to the players there, but I grew up and, you know, w- watching these guys, Gilly and bossy and Nystrom and Podfin and Chico Resch and Billy Smith and all these guys. And, you know, it was, it was, I lived and breathed it every single day. And like when they won, it's amazing. I was only 12, but those four or five years before felt like a lifetime. And when they broke through and won that cup, I mean, I used to have fights in sixth grade over who was better Gretzky or Trottier. I mean, it's like, legit <laughs> fights. I'm like, are you stupid? Do you? And this is before obviously 84 when Gretzky just, you know, took it to a whole other level. And now people go Trottier. But I, I actually was lucky enough to get asked Gretzky, how good Brian Trache was. And he taught as good as anybody, you know, and it's, it's sad to me before I got on with you, I, I was just talking about Mike Bossy with someone, you know, the non-hockey fans don't know these guys who were the best athletes in the world. And it's, it's, it's so sad, you know, and um, obviously you see what's happening. Soccer's kind of growing now. And, you know, we had Thierry Henry on the entourage movie and nobody knew who he was. And, I told him about Twitter and I said, you should get on. And by the end of the day, he had like a million followers. Wow. So it's really wild to see the different niches of stuff. And, and to think that some of the greatest hockey players of all time are kind of just forgotten about it kills me, you know, but that was, that was a very important part of my childhood. So. Yeah. Well, the Islanders are back, Doug. They're good this year. And I'm looking up the schedule here, March 14th. They're at crypto.com. Uh, maybe we can set it up, me, you, cons, and up, dog. Maybe we take that game in. Right, maybe we can make that That'd happen. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Uh, all right, Doug. Hey, it. man, thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. We're big fans. Keep you doing your it, thing. Guys. Be good. I'll talk to you. Welcome back to Mr. Curfew. Uh, first of all, thanks to Doug Allen. Up, dog. Great job. Um, oh, I would say great job for yeah, – great guest. Good dude. Uh, I feel like he's um, – yeah, very, he's inspired, very inspired guy. Yeah. And, uh, you could tell he's been a leader. You know, you look at him like a guy that's led, you know, a, a, a football team to Super Bowl championships year after year after year. That's what the yeah. entourage was to us, right? It was award winning show that we tuned in for 10 Sundays in a row every year for 10 years, 10 years. And I then, still watch it. I know if you I'm do. stuck. In, I'm there. like, I'm throwing on entourage. Let's go. here. And then so. his relationships with, with his actors that he gets in, that he got into and with cons, you know, specifically Kevin, who's done a lot for us mm-hmm. and, and especially you and just captain cons is, you know, building his own brand now and, you know, doing the show with Doug ramble on coming on yeah. um looking forward to that so so we great. gotta get the pickleball date he yeah. confirmed so we gotta we gotta get out no, there let's just let's we'll go to big canyon before the holidays here we'll play some games we'll have someone videotape and we'll just fire him our shit and see like, what he thinks. Well, yeah, but yeah. we'll be posting it that's true with that little challenge to that's it, true good right? point i think we can compete i don't know if we can win but I think we can compete. What he knows over there, he's sitting in his home office there with sick the entourage for me. That's not a sick man. house or nice, what? Nice window treatments there. Nice blinds. He just bought a sick house in the desert too. That he just so nice. he. Uh, but I but I know he's uh, you know he's sitting over there knowing that that we would fight. We're you know? common. We're we're gonna compete. Hey, the last game you played, you're ready, baby. It I'm was ready, fucking. Yeah. I was like, oh, your serve was lightning. Your forehand was lightning. You almost gave him a tip about my forehand. I was like, I'm still telling you about my forehand. Like, uh-huh. He'll figure it out about one shot in when I muff one in the net. But yeah, that's okay. We're going to compete. I played. I la- did give him a little tip. I shouldn't. Have done no, that's okay. Because oh, okay. we're going to come in. We're coming hot. We're coming in there. I've been playing well lately. I've been playing well lately. So uh, check out Victory the Podcast for your entourage guys out there. Thanks again to Doug Allen, Up Dog. Fella, fella. Uh, talk about entourage. Do you want to fucking go to Hollywood right now? Let's or have what, a buddy? couple, couple <laughs> <laughs> That was That was missing curfew. Hello.
I wanna be your superhero, even if I tumble fall. 